Maya Bonga Tawe on Metro FM Talk. 22 minutes it is before 9 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro, uh, taking reactions and analysis of uh, the outcomes of the family meeting. And uh, certainly a lot of you on social media having a, a very, uh, yeah, yeah, a very uh, funny time there talking about um, sort of what implications this is going to have uh, for the uh, traditional initiation season. And uh, I can certainly only imagine um, how uh, all of the uh, hygiene issues that come with COVID-19 are going to be uh, dealt with. And I, I don't know. I don't know. And uh, we're certainly hoping that we can catch up with Contralesa to maybe try and understand uh, without, of course, revealing too much about uh, to try and understand um, you know, how they're going to be approaching this particular season. But it also does mean uh, certainly for Abu in places like Nelson Mandela Bay that uh, you might have to take a buy this year or maybe I guess uh, head elsewhere if indeed uh, you are uh, I guess uh, quite agitated and moved by the decision that's been made there. So that's the one part. And then the other part is certainly uh, of course uh, some of the resources that are going to be brought to bear on uh, some of these hotspots, the Garden Route District Municipality Sarapatman district uh, in the Eastern Cape and Nelson Mandela Bay and we're certainly going to be watching quite closely how that is going to unfold and uh, the enforcement of uh, the curfew of uh, the trade of uh, liquor and uh, everything else and uh, you add to that uh, certainly the appeal that the president was making to say look uh, we gotta we gotta sort of uh, dig deep now and uh, certainly make sure that we continue to exercise the consistency uh, sanitizing making sure we wash our hands, uh, wearing our masks and uh, everything of the like. And uh, uh, also, I guess, being uh, very critical uh, of the convenings that happen after many funerals as after tears and saying that uh, those effectively are prohibited uh, in the Nelson Mandela Bay era. You might want to comment on that. Give us a ring 089-110-3377, especially Abu Bandu that are out in Gapiplawa and New Brighton, uh, people in Motherwell, uh, people in Warma. And uh, other parts of the Nelson Mandela Bay, do let us know uh, certainly uh, what implications this is going to have for your plans uh, and uh, designs that you might have had for the uh, December period. Uh, I think the one thing that a lot of people were expecting uh, that the president uh, certainly might pronounce on, which uh, didn't come through in this uh, family meeting, was uh, some form of restrictions on interprovincial travel. We certainly didn't see that coming through. Uh, And uh, I guess a lot of this having to do really primarily with the economic trade-off, the implication of uh, going back to where we were around uh, March, April and May or so, and uh, uh, the uh, wide-ranging ramifications that that would have uh, for key subsectors of the South African economy, which have certainly not only bled uh, sales and volumes, but have uh, effectively bled many and millions of jobs uh, during uh, the year of 2020. So it's certainly been a difficult year. And uh, no doubt, uh, I think, uh, uh, continuing to be a complicated time uh, for uh, South Africans in all parts of the world, least of all those who are in Nelson Mandela Bay. And uh, certainly one person who is in Nelson Mandela Bay is Ongamam Timka, a political analyst who joins us on the line. Chambase, uh, what do you make of uh, some of the remarks the president made at the family meeting this evening? Mandela Bay is a hotspot. Um, well, I think they make sense. Um, if you look at the stats leading up to this day, uh, there have been, there've been all the sides that we needed some uh, drastic measures taken in Nelson Mandela Bay. 
So I think they are welcome. And I think he's made the right call, especially when it comes to uh, uh, the concession that has been made for the rest of the uh, uh, mainly Eastern Cape around initiations to not have the same in Nelson Mandela Bay. And the reason being, uh, having visited initiation schools here, they tend to be overcrowded and uh, uh, spaces mm-hmm. in between, you know, very small, and uh, you cannot prevent gatherings there. So it's the right call, even though many will not be happy. But I think the overall message I'm getting from this is that there's a feedback loop between unchanged um, social behavior and policy making, and COVID-19 mm-hmm. has showed us that that, that gap can be quite narrow. And we're at a time now when paternalistic state behavior, which is frowned upon in a liberal democracy, mm, is in fact mm. suddenly making sense. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems, Jamba, so you play book. Uh, is having to change every single day. I mean, whatever democratic playbook we've been reading from is uh, having to be tinkered and tailored with uh, at every uh, opportunity. And uh, one of those areas, I think, is on this uh, issue, Yolwaluko. And uh, yes, it might have been sort of placed on hold in the Nelson Mandela Bay. But if you think about the first phase of this lockdown, where some of the hotspots were, I mean, Ilalenvela, Goyongape Falpang, was one of the main hotspots in the Krisani district. Um, and I can already imagine what happens when you open up initiation schools in that area and the implications of large gatherings like Imikiti and the like. It's certainly going to make it very difficult for, for whatever, I guess, enforcement uh, capacity they're hoping to bring to bear on many areas that might not necessarily have uh, hotspot status now. But I think as we approach the 16th, Christmas and maybe even New Year's might find themselves much closer to that. Sure. So if uh, you look at the the, the conduct of uh, the state, uh, especially President Phil Ramaphosa, in managing COVID-19, he's had a relative degree of openness to stakeholder lobbying. So, mm. so, 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 uh, for me, I think this is a concession that has been made to traditional leaders, and you can understand. I mean, if you look at it, at it from within. Um, this would have uh, getting older, so part of the requirement in Portland would be that you actually open it up. And mm. I think part of the comfort that would have been derived from this in, in arriving at the decision is the fact that the province is largely rural, rural, and up until beyond Tembulet, that's where you start seeing. Uh, um, Tata, for example, beyond um, Tata. Mm. That's why you start seeing the behavior of, uh, you know, big uh, 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 initiation schools where there's lots of boys in one initiation sure, school. Sure. The concern about immigrity, obviously, uh, that's something to be watched, especially given the fact that the state has got no capacity to enforce uh, mm. regulations. That has been mm. proven. Even in Nelson Mandela Bay, for example, one of the things I was saying is that in Nelson Mandela Bay, they were very excellent in, in controlling uh, in churches, particularly religious organizations, with weekly reports and all those types of things. But when it came to uh, places of business, it was uh, the levels of non-compliance were appalling there. So I think that the state has got a relative degree of a cop-out on, in some social institutions and hasn't had the same rigor 
you know, that it has had in others. So, so, so mm. I do think that uh, enforcement can be improved. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's talk about that curfew. Uh, so on the one hand, there's the curfew. There's also the uh, restrictions on the liquor trade for an area which uh, at this time of the year, people in the tourism sector, people in probably every sector of the PE local economy are readying themselves for the Christmas rush. A lot of holiday makers coming and descending on the area. That's the expectation. That's what people would have factored into their plans. Uh, and it seems that that's going to, I guess, uh, sort of derail some of those plans somewhat. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, in the as a, 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 a state craft itself is emerging and state-society relations are a core aspect of that. So when the levels of social of responsibility at a social at a society level are not matching the kinds of freedom that they would like uh, to retain, the state is left with no other option but to in, to interfere or intervene on the grounds of human security. So there's a security crisis from a human perspective there's an obligation on the state to intervene here. So notwithstanding the socioeconomic uh, aspects of this, it seems to me that what is uh, what has got a major weight now is mm. the risk uh, 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 in people's lives that can happen uh, or can be worsened should sure, a situation sure. like this be allowed to continue unabated. Yeah, yeah. Ongama, I want us to pause here for a second and uh, take a quick spot break. When we come back, uh, I want us to unpack, I guess, some of the sort of timelines here. We know uh, there's been an extension of the uh, state of uh, uh, disaster right through to the 15th of January. And, uh, of course, we also know that there's a wide gamut of activities that continue. The academic year has been stretched out a bit further. We know that universities might start a lot later than what has been anticipated. And I want us to unpack... um, I guess what all of this is going to mean for the kind of Christmas and the kind of festive season that might happen, uh, which is what many people have started to call a Black Christmas. And uh, we'll come back to that theme after this. on Metro FM Talk. Eight minutes it is before 9 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the mighty Metro. I'm in conversation with uh, Ongama Timka, political analyst, uh, joining us from Nelson Mandela Bay. And uh, Ongama, I mean, I guess, you know, I was just having a conversation with Brandon, uh, uh, a production guy just behind the scenes. Uh, and I guess the point really that, you know, Brandon was making was that, yes, you know, it might be and, you know, there's a curfew and there's a restriction on the liquor trade. But in the main, I mean, it shouldn't uh, really, I guess, deter people who had already uh, made some plans to go and uh, have holidays in that part of the world, uh, because I guess they will be having the kind of uh, routine or regimen that uh, we've certainly had for large parts of this year. Indeed. But I think where the, especially the, 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 the restrictions on weekend liquor uh, uh, tr- the sales, uh, part of the problem they're going to solve is uh, the overburdening of hospitals with uh, uh, alcohol-related trauma and accidents. So in that way, it's going to free up, uh, you know, some some bad capacity in hospitals to be able to respond uh, to COVID-19 cases and maintain focus again. If you remember, 
the Eastern Cape was at the forefront of lobbying for uh, some return of restrictions on liquor sales after identifying some correlation between uh, levels of drunkenness and the extent to which people complied with uh, the safety uh, protocols and, and, and you know, uh, yeah, safety pro- protocols related to COVID-19. So it, it, while it may not be solving the problems, it at least helps uh, reduce the burden that's on the health system. And, and, and Ongaba, I mean, when we talk about that burden, I mean, the president speaking about uh, alcohol-related traumas and the impact that that has had uh, on medical facilities in the Nelson Mandela Bay uh, at this difficult moment where we've seen a spike in the number of infections, people needing hospitalization, and even, uh, I guess, a resurgence of many of the COVID deaths uh, that, to levels uh, quite comparable to what we saw earlier on in the year. What, what, how do we strike that balance and how does, I guess, uh, uh, what you spoke about earlier on, how, how do we reinforce the capacity, both from an enforcement perspective, but even from a preventative perspective, uh, that has to descend and be brought to bear onto the Nelson Mandela Bay? So, even though there was a lot of criticism, and I think justifiably so, when there was a huge uh, or high visibility of law enforcement officers at critical points within the city or various cities throughout the country, something like that can help because part of um, ensuring enforcement is the intimidation that comes with people in uniforms and, you know, know, and and enforcing rules. While, you know, this, this is something which is frowned upon again because you you, call, you you go very harsh on controlling movements and all of those things. It is a matter of necessity when you are facing a crisis. Obviously, we're not going to bring the same levels of control of movement, like stopping every vehicle that passes by, checking whether people have permits, because we're not on level five. But uh, there's a case for greater visibility and collaboration among the various law enforcement agencies, be they uh, metropolis, um, SAPs, and a case can even be made for the army, even though they they, they showed some uh, degree of being heavy-handed, you know, at, at the beginning. But precisely because now it's not about mass movement of people, but rather ensuring that there's compliance in key uh, training areas and, 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 and institutions, it, we may find that that works a lot better. But as I, again, at the end of the day, it's, gonna go, it's going to boil down to to what extent is there a behavioral modification and the level of responsibility on the part of the average citizen. And I think that with the, with the, with the increase in in numbers of people that are dying, you're already seeing, you know, some people calling for harsher lockdown measures. And if people can actually make those calls, that means they can police one another too and mm. report instances where people are breaking the law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's certainly a very difficult moment, I guess, uh, uh, for the country. An inflection point if we think about, you know, the coordinated response to uh, COVID-19. And I guess one of the big issues, Ongama, just before I let you go, that has been raised about, in particular, the role of the Eastern Cape 
in the spread and I guess in the looming uh, second wave, if I can refer to it as that, is this idea of, you know, Amakotukafananati going back to the Eastern Cape and then coming back in January for the uh, resumption of the new year and effectively bringing the virus back and uh, that might be a contributor to the second wave. Did we get a sense this evening from this evening's family meetings that some of the building blocks are in place to uh, preempt and to prevent uh, that state of affairs? Well, it seems to me that it's, even though the message, the president has a strong message about it, it's still relatively laissez-faire. So unnecessary travel, there was talk of that. Um, it may, so may, it's like, may do you, be. just do you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but about labor migration, uh, the key issue, is, is, is especially which this is what I suspect is happening in the westerly part of the province feeding into the garden route, is in fact the movement of workers, be they in the fishing industry or agriculture. Uh, in, in Between the Western Cape and the Eastern Cape, that was a big contributor. People moving from citrus growing areas to the wine uh, farms. So that's a, a, a something to be watched because, you know, those farms and the levels of safety standards that are kept are very low and even the living conditions of workers are very poor. So mm. it, it, I wouldn't be surprised if part of the spread comes from the movement of mass laborers moving from, you know, one province to another as they shift from to trust And you know, Chamba said that seasonal sort of worker dynamic, I think, is a massive contributor to the cross-border flow of the crisis. Uh, if you think about the garden root area and uh, during this moment, I think if you overlay that, it's probably one of the uh, consistent features of our fight until we find a vaccine that can vaccinate all of us. But thank you very much for taking time out to speak to us. And uh, I wish you and uh, all of your uh, fellow citizens of Nelson Mandela Bay, all of the best. Uh, but uh, if you're not going to be able to do it, you're not going to be able to do it. That's good. Shab, shab. the political analyst uh, speaking to us uh, from PE uh, in the thick of things in Nelson Mandela Bay. You're not going to be able to do it. You're not going to be able to do it. You're not going to be Nelson Mandela Bay. Now, you're not going to be able to do it. And uh, on that note, take strength, my Africa. Kiwa gombona kutubela na nanguku. Sisa ibanga. Leikuno.